It's Monday, May 13th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, and we are joined by Blake Wilson, our Vice President of Operations. Blake will walk us through Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 23. It's good to be back with you guys again as we continue our book study in Acts. Um, Today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 23, and we're going to be looking at Paul's trip to Corinth and his missionary journey there. Um, So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up. Um, Acts chapter 1, 18 through 23. In verse number 1, it says, After this, Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native, a native of Pontius, recently come, come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all of the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and he worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. So you can see in these first five verses, we look at some relationships that Paul had um, with both Priscilla and Aquila, and then you also see his friends Silas and Timothy come during this time as he is there ministering in Corinth. So the first thing I want us to look at today as a team is is the need to find encouragement from other other believers. I think as followers of Christ, um, we should be surrounded by other believers to be that form of encouragement to us. You know, we all face challenges. We all face seasons of our life where we just need to be encouraged. And I think this is what we see here in the life of Paul. You know, the scholars say that this was a three-day walk from Athens to Corinth. So keep in mind, this guy had been traveling, so he was probably physically tired for a three-day journey um, from city to city. But then, you know, then when he is he is there, as we're going to read in the next few passages, you know, it's not it's not an easy journey. He begins to be ridiculed. He begins to be laughed at and mocked, and people don't listen to what he's got to say. So a, a very discouraging season as he is trying to further the gospel as he shares it with the Jews. And they're just not receiving it. So physically, this guy was tired. So he needs to be encouraged. So when he is there with his friends of Priscilla and Aquila, you know, they're going to be that source of encouragement. So I just, you know, I just picture him walking into the city and almost taking, you know, like a uh, a deep breath or just a sigh of relief to say, I'm with my friends and just an excitement in his spirit to get some encouragement from them. And you can actually see Paul's words as he reflects on Priscilla and Aquila over in Romans chapter 16, and this is what he says in verses 3 and 4. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. You know, he refers to them as people that risk their lives for him. So these were true friends, true people that had Paul's back. So I think as he was going into the city, you know, just... Um, excited, excited to see them. I think the other thing that we learn here in these first five verses is that we see um, we see Paul as a, in a sense, a bivocational tent maker. It says that he worked alongside um, Priscilla and Aquila. And again, looking back 
in in Second Corinthians, you can see Paul reflecting on why he was working, and it says in in uh, chapter eleven, verses nine through eleven. This is the words of Paul. He says, And when I was with you and needed something, I was not at all a burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed, and I kept myself from being a burden to any of you in any way. And I will continue to do so. You know, Paul was uh, was going to work. Paul was going to do what it took to um, meet his meet his own needs so that he wasn't a burden to anybody. So, you know, in, in our terminology, it's almost as if he was a, a bivocational pastor. He was working... Um, preaching, but he was also working in a trade which happened to be tent making along with his friends Priscilla and Aquila. And you know what? I can't help but think what those days must have been like with with him working um, and just uh, getting encouraged. You know, putting in long days, putting in hard work, making tents, but also working with people that you truly enjoy being with. That could be a so- source of of encouragement. And I, you know, this is what I feel. Um, the picture would have looked like with Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. You know, and then in these first five verses as well, you see him um, mention his friends Timothy and Silas as well as they are there. And when they arrive, it says that Paul is is reasoning in the, in the synagogue. So he is there um, preaching to the Jews during that as well. So Paul, in these first five verses, I, I think we see the need for Christian brother, brothers and sisters in our circle just so that we can find encouragement in a time of need. So we got to find encouragement through um, brothers and sisters in Christ. The second thing that I think that we see in verses uh, in verses six through eight is going to be our our need and desire to see fruitfulness from the gospel. So are we expecting fruitfulness from the gospel? So this is this is Paul again in verse number six. Keep in mind he's he's reasoning with the Jews. He's teaching with the Jews. And they are just, um, they're not listening. In the words, um, in in this passage, they were just, um, and it says that in verse 6, And when they opposed him, they reviled him. He shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there, and he went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. So, again, wrap your mind around this this setting. Paul has just been... Um, debating with the Jews, they opposed him, reviled him, and he just gets heated and says, "Your blood be on your own heads." And he just walks away. Well, where does he go? He walks into the house of this man named Titius Justice, who is living right next door to the synagogue. So you know, again, we just talked about the need for encouragement from other believers in our life. I think we all need people like this to kind of talk us off the ledge. You know, Paul was was heated, um, was upset. You can see it through the exclamation point in um, in the passage, and he goes to this man's house, who I can't help but say probably talked him off the ledge, helped reason with him just to be a listening ear as a form of encouragement. But we also see the fruit of this happen um, in verses seven and eight. In eight, it says Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And then, in addition to this, in many Corinthians, hearing Paul believed and were baptized. So you can see that the fruit 
came as he started to minister to the Gentiles. The Jews were not listening, but the Gentiles did, and we saw fruit. So we must expect fruit um, when we share the gospel. Again, in Romans 1, this, these are the words of Paul. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile. You know, Paul was going to preach the gospel no matter what. It didn't matter if you listened or not. As we saw here in in um, this passage, the Jews didn't listen. So, he, you know, he shook off his, his clothes and went on to the next city and began to share. So here we are um, seeing Paul's passion for the gospel and reminded of that, that he is not ashamed. He's going to continue to proclaim the gospel no matter where he goes. So expect fruitfulness from the gospel when we open our mouths. Um, then you see a promise from God in verse number 9 and 10. Um, and I think this is where we find comfort. So thirdly, find comfort from the promises of God. And it says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you, for I have many people in this city. You know, Paul needed, Paul needed a promise in this, in this season of his life. Um, was was weary, um, was tired. People weren't listening to him. First um, Corinthians chapter two tells us about his state. He says, "When I came came to you, brothers, I didn't come proclaiming to you a testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to, to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and Him crucified." Listen to this in verse three, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. So you can see Paul says he was weak, he was fearful, much trembling, but he had this promise from the Lord that told him to not be afraid. Don't give up, Paul. Continue to speak. Don't be silent. I'm with you. Nobody's going to attack you. Nobody's going to harm you. Keep doing what you're doing, Paul, because we can find comfort from the promises of God. You know, there are promises throughout Scripture we see in Deuteronomy chapter 31. When, Mo, when Joshua is succeeding Moses and Moses is talking to the children of Israel, talking about his age and this is what's going to happen and how the Lord is, is not going to, to leave, not, for, not going to forsake. Um, in verse number 7 and 8, it says, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them with their inheritance. The Lord himself will go before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. So we see promises throughout the Old Testament, promises in the New Testament. Um, you know, the first one that came to my mind was, was the Great Commission. Um, and, and it says in, in the latter part of this, For surely I am with you always to the very end of age. You know, as Jesus was speaking and saying, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. You know, I'm teaching you to obey everything in it. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. So as the Lord tasked us to further his gospel, as Paul was furthering the gospel, though he was weary, though he was weak, he was, he was encouraged not to give up because of the promises of God. Um, the Lord spoke to Paul through a vision in the night saying, don't give up. You know, in those seasons of our life, when we are tired, when we are weary, when we don't know what to do, let's be reminded of those promises of God. Let's rely on those promises and find comfort in those promises so that we can continue furthering the gospel. Um, 
And then lastly, um, we want to we want to look at Paul's model of discipleship. Let's follow Paul's model of discipleship. If you notice in this passage, right after the Lord gives him this promise of saying, "Continue speaking, don't be silent, stay in the city. I have people to, to support you." Look at what verse eleven says when it picks back up. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Paul stayed there for eighteen months. He put he put down roots. He began to teach. Um, or he continued to teach and disciple, you know, and I think sometimes we get sidetracked in thinking we want a quick fix. We want things, we want to see immediate gratification, we want to see fruit, um, and we don't want to put in the time that it takes to actually see that develop. So we see in this passage, Paul just dug his heels in. He's he's going to put down roots for 18 months. He's pouring into the, these people, discipling them and teaching them the Word of God. But let's continue and see how the Lord's promises was immediately um, fulfilled. Look at verse verses 12 through 17. It says, And when Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of question about words and names of your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be judge of these things. And he drove them out of the tribunal. And they seized Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to any of this. So keep in mind, the Lord just spoke to Paul through this vision, gave him this promise. And it says in verse number 14, But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo almost interrupted. He spoke to the Jews. So right when Paul was about to defend, immediately the Lord sent this guy, Galileo, to be able to, to speak on behalf of Paul and says, no, I'm not even going to hear of this case. You're not going to do anything because I won't hear of it. So the Lord protected him in this season of, of any kind of um, any kind of uh, abuse or attack, as it says in verses number 12, against Paul. And then look at verse 18. It says, After this, Paul stayed many days longer. And then he took leave um, of the brothers and set sail to Syria. So again, he said he was there for 18 months. And then it says in verse 18, he stayed even longer. Discipleship takes time. Let's follow that model of, of Paul and invest in people. Um, look, at, look at verses 18. It says, as he, as he left, look who went with him, Priscilla and Aquila. So his friends that he was excited to see once he arrived there in Corinth, um, they leave with him, and they travel with him, and they're with him by, by his side as he continues to share the gospel. Look down in verse, verse 19. It says, And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he went on himself into the synagogue, and he reasoned with the Jews. So let's find encouragement in those other believers. Let's find encouragement in our in our circle of, of, of friendship. Let's expect fruitfulness from the gospel. You know, as we open our mouths, let's expect the Lord to work and do mighty things. Let's find comfort in those promises. So when we do get discouraged and we say, I don't see anything happening, people are not receptive to, to the gospel, let's find comfort in those promises of God and hold true to those that he will never leave us, he will not forsake us, he will be with us and protect us and his gospel will go forth. And then lastly, let's follow Paul's model of discipleship. Let's put our let's let's put down roots. Let's invest in people 
and rely on the Holy Spirit working through us um, to make a difference. So I think we can learn a lot from the life of Paul here as he was, as he was in Corinth um, and the need to be relational uh, to do that. So let's encourage one another this week. Let's, uh, let's invest in one another and let's find encouragement as we serve together at this ministry. Well, thanks, Blake. And this week, we are praying for the country of Ukraine. We are praying for one specific family who's pursuing their third adoption from Ukraine. They are adopting an aging out child whom they have hosted. And we are praising the Lord for families like these who have a heart for older children. We're praying for more families who desire to adopt older children from such a hard and, and difficult place as Ukraine. We're continuing to pray for the government government of Ukraine and for the unrest in the eastern part of Ukraine. We pray that the areas that have been affected by war will continue to rebuild. We're praying for the ministry and the officials to be efficient and timely in approving paperwork. We pray that they will make orphan care, uh, orphan children our priority. We're praying for our unadopted possibilities in Ukraine. Pray for the work that's been done and is going to be done. We pray for a future hosting from Ukraine, that we can collaborate with a hosting organization to bring children into their forever families where they will constantly hear and know the gospel. We're praising the Lord for the many children who have come home from Ukraine over the last 16 years. We're praying the Lord, praising the Lord for Luba, who will come home uh, prayerfully this summer, Lord willing. We pray for Josh and Jaina and Brianna and Toria as they continue to build relationships in Ukraine. And we pray for our on-the-ground team of Sasha and Natasha and Alex and Alexandra, uh, who are on the ground serving families and children in Ukraine. Let's pray. Father, we pray specifically for this family and for little Luba, uh, Lord, that they would be able to, that little Luba would be able to come home. And uh, Lord, we thank you so much for this family that is pursuing their third adoption and for their willingness to host children and to bring them into their home. We pray for more families who desire to adopt older children, uh, and we pray that you would continually just prick their hearts and minds, prepare their, them for adoption from Ukraine. Lord, we pray for this country. We ask that you would just help establish and reestablish the eastern part of Ukraine. We, we ask that uh, the parts that have been uh, torn down and war-torn would be rebuilt, and we just ask for the conflict, uh, for there to be peace in this conflict, and for your gospel to rise in these broken places. We continue to pray for uh, unadopted possibilities within the country of Ukraine and pray for the work that's been done and it's going to be done. And Lord, as well for the hosting that we hope to have from Ukraine, we just ask that all of those details would come together in your timing and that the, there would be families that would host and children that could be hosted and children that would ultimately come to hear the gospel. We thank you for Big Daddy and Jaina and Brianna and Toria as they continue to build relationships in Ukraine. And we pray for our team on the ground, for Alexander and Natasha and Alex and Alexandra. Lord, we thank you so much for this great nation of Ukraine that you've given us the opportunity to work with, and we pray for your hand and your guidance to be upon our team and upon the people of Ukraine and the leadership of Ukraine. We pray that your gospel would go forth in this nation. It's in your great name we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.